Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There are moments in our life when we are shaped through adversity and challenge. Propelled through turbulent change, we are presented with an opportunity to take wings and soar from a dark place to one of light. I'm Leslie Salem, founder of Over the Bloody Moon, on a mission to take the muddle out of menopause and show the positive side to this time of life. In our podcast, we meet women from all different walks of life and experience to share their tales and tools of transformation. Come join us for the flight. Today's show is called On Board with Perimenopause. It's estimated that around 75% of women transition through menopause whilst working. And yet many still feel embarrassed or unable to talk about their experiences with colleagues or ask for support when they really need it. Sadly, for some women, it leads to them heading out the door without their employers ever knowing why. We're delighted today to welcome Sam Simister, responsible for future innovation development at Innocent and also board director. In addition to Sam's role at Innocent, she is the co-founder of Gen M. Sam is going to be sharing her own story of perimenopause within the workplace and the lessons she's learnt about communicating her needs to colleagues. So welcome, Sam. It's fabulous to have you on the show today. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me, Leslie. So, Sam, you are not only holding down a full-time board member role at Innocent, you are also co-founder of Gen M, which is a new menopause platform to help signpost people to trusted resources, events, specialists, and organisations, obviously all to do with menopause. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about Gen M. What's, What's the story? Why did you set it up? Yes. So, yes, as you say, Gen M is a site that curates the best of the menopause in one place. But we have always said we want to be more than just a website. But the reason um, for Gen M was born, frankly, out of pure frustration and disappointment with what myself and my co-founder, Heather, and I were experiencing a couple of years ago. So I am a little embarrassed to say that I was woefully unprepared for my perimenopause. It hit me like a steam train. I had no idea what was happening to me. And it's no exaggeration to say that things got so bad, I was very close to resigning from a job that I have loved and thrown my heart and soul into for the past 30 years. So it was a pretty shocking time for me, really. My symptoms were debilitating. I felt pretty lonely and really low. My well-being was shot. And it was only when I met Heather, my lovely friend that I've known for a very long time. I met Heather through business. She's an incredibly successful entrepreneur in another world as well as this one. And I didn't recognize her, Leslie. I mean, she was a shadow of her former self. And because I was a couple of, I guess, years on Mm. um, in terms of age and perimenopause experience, 
I listened to her and I said, do you think you might be perimenopausal? Mm-hmm. And she looked at me as if I had two heads. She'd never heard of the word either. Many people haven't. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think for two women that, you know, consider ourselves lucky to be well-educated in business, we thought, mm, you know, th- this is this is crazy. Mm. So we started to research and found, as many of your listeners and I'm sure uh, Network will agree, it's a very disparate landscape. And there seemed to be nothing really holding it all together, whether it be you were looking for a great um, medical network or solution, whether you were looking for information, whether you were looking for solutions to your symptoms. And as a time poor, very busy woman, I thought, well, there's an opportunity. I would love to say, though, as a scientist, I do like a bit of data. And Heather and I, as peri and menopausal women, had our instincts. But I also wanted some data behind us. So we Mm. invested in some research. It's called the Invisibility Report. It's statistically significant data which frankly uh, blew me away. I mean, it illuminates how women in midlife are feeling and has frankly provided the rationale and the business case for what we are determined to achieve with, with Gen M. And just on that, I mean, it's a brilliant report. So um, for our listeners, if you haven't read it already, do go onto Jen M's website because it's available for free to download. Um, But it would be really brilliant just to highlight some of those aspects that you found so surprising. Yes. So Heather and I, again, were quite purposeful with what we wanted this research to show. And we wanted to understand how women were feeling. And we also wanted to understand how many women like us were woefully unprepared. So we went into this with quite a clear plan and overview as to what we wanted the data to tell us. And unsurprisingly, now, because we've read it so many times and we've had so many conversations, the vast majority of women, well over 80%, were too woefully unprepared for their perimenopause. Alarmingly, over uh, 70% of women couldn't name any more than one or two of the symptoms, which we thought was, was shocking. And that aside, everyone was quite shocked to, to realise that across perimenopause and the menopause, there are some mm. 48 symptoms. And this can last for up to 10 years for some women. And I think the stat that really shocked us, particularly when you you look at women in the workplace, over 25% of women are almost starting their perimenopausal journey before they're 40. So if you think that this is the largest growing demographic of women in the workplace, 40 to 50, and some of us will be starting this journey woefully unprepared before we're 40, there's a massive opportunity here for not just brands, retailers and other responsible businesses to do more to support women. But there's also a responsibility for employers to think about Mm. how they can support women in the workplace. But there's a lot of data about what more women feel could be done, not only by their employers, but by themselves too. 
And there's a section also that talks about how women would love to find a way to have a conversation with their support network, with their partners, with their children, because we believe this is a societal issue. It isn't a gender issue. And anyone that's affected by the menopause, those around them are going to be affected too. So we, as I say, we were quite purposeful with what we wanted to truly understand about how women were feeling. And that's now driving our activity to see where we can best support to make the menopause better today than yesterday. So, Sam, this episode is specifically focusing on tips, I suppose, and tools for women who are going through menopause in the workplace. Just touching back on the invisibility report, um, were there some common insights that you found for women that, that are working? Yes, absolutely. So the report definitely focuses on how women are feeling in the workplace. And this won't surprise you, Leslie. Most people are feeling incredibly challenged about how they bring this up. Most people still find this a taboo subject. Most women, when they recognize they have perimenopausal symptoms, are too embarrassed or wary of raising it because they are worried it will be a reflection on their performance. And that's almost the best scenario, believe it or not. The worst scenario is that people leave the organization because they just can't cope. And that also comes out of the report as well. And in fact, when you look at other statistics, the um, numbers of women that are leaving the workplace in their 40s and 50s is growing. And that really worries me because this pipeline of talent is is so critical for, for society and for businesses to prosper. So... When I was going through my difficult time, I I was very lucky, actually. My CEO is compassionate. And when I spoke to him, I said to him, I was struggling with my confidence. I was having anxiety attacks. And I'm someone that's traveled globally for my job. So for me to be having these kinds of feelings, I didn't recognize myself. I was running global supply chain for Innocent at the time, and I was just overwhelmed. I just couldn't keep on top of anything. So I actually had a conversation about handing the reins over to my successor. And I was lucky because my CEO wanted to keep me in the business. And we actually found an opportunity for me to do just that, but taking on another role, which um, enabled me a little bit of space to um, to work out how best to manage my symptoms. But I was lucky. I didn't have to resign. And did you connect? Did you join the dots between not feeling right and that it was related to the menopause transition? Not at that time, no, because... Um, I was just putting it down to a bit of a rough spell. It was busy at work. You know, things were going on at home. We, My lovely husband lost both of his parents in one year. Stuff was going on in life, you know. So I just focused on my nutrition and my exercise, which were always my go-to to keep me uplifted. But that wasn't working. My well-being was shot. It was only when a really lovely friend of mine took me to one side and said, I think, Sam, you need to go and see somebody about this. You could be menopausal. Yeah. But this was a good two or three years having struggled through the perimenopause, which I am a bit embarrassed to say, but hey, I'm I'm not alone. I'm sure of it. You're definitely not alone. And for many women, it just 
we often do blame what else is going on in life. Where there are the blips is often because there are additional transitions going on. Like you were saying about your your husband losing parents. It's the culmination of different events um, along with a lack of resilience that hormone imbalance brings to us. Absolutely. So it was only after the event. and, And I guess because I was now determined to make it easier for women behind me as well as women around me. If I look at Innocent, I'm the oldest woman by far and have always been because I've been in the business a long time. But our average age is about 28, 29. And we are a 50-50 gender split. We employ 800 people across Europe and Asia and 400 of those are women in their 30s, shall we say. I looked at that and I said to my board, all of which... Uh, apart from one, are men all in their 40s. Do you realise, guys, that if we don't do something about this and start talking about it, we could have a bunch of Sams all going through the perimenopause all at the same time, which will not only be terrible for their well-being, it will be dreadful productivity. But what I said was, if it's okay with you, I'm going to start talking about my experience. So I did that. And I posted GenM on our internal systems and the feedback was incredible. And interestingly, not just from the women, but from the men. I would say that 30% of the feedback came from young men saying, thank God, I've now got a tool that I can go and talk to my mum, my Mm. girlfriend, my partner about. Because GenM is built not just for us women and transgender people going through this but for people around us and the eyes in innocent are now all using it so i do feel like i've achieved something in that i've raised awareness I mean, there's something incredibly brave, isn't there, about sort of speaking out, uh, Mm. talking about vulnerability. You're obviously in a position of influence at Innocent. For women maybe who are are not in management roles, et cetera, um, that are going through it, what advice have you got for them in Mm. terms of how they can communicate their needs? Mm, I think that's a great question. And, you know, obviously, I I am aware that I have a little more experience and I I have a board role. I I get that. I think it does come down to us taking more control of our perimenopause and menopause before it controls us. There's no silver bullet, in my humble opinion. And I do think we all have to find a way to have the confidence to start that conversation. I am optimistic that businesses are slowly but surely waking up to recognise that with 13 million of us in the UK going through this, a 1 billion by 2025 across the globe, businesses, if they want to retain their talent and they want to retain their productivity, they are going to have to be open to finding ways to support women. So it is coming, Leslie. I am Mm. confident. But I would encourage women to find somebody in their support network at work that they trust 
to start to have that conversation. And I wonder whether there's an opportunity for women to start an informal women's infinity group that they can over a coffee or a lunch just start to gather some momentum. Because I know from my experience and talking to many others, it only takes one or two people to start that conversation. And then you get others going, wow, you too? Gosh, this is my experience. Now, I would love to say that this is in my culture and being a white Caucasian, this is my experience. I am very respectful that not all cultures are open to talking about the menopause. And in Southeast Asia, not I don't believe there's a word for the menopause. I am respectful that it's not easy for everybody. But maybe there's a way that the word menopause doesn't have to be used. I wonder whether referring to some of the symptoms that women are finding might be a way to open a conversation. I do think as women, showing a little vulnerability and taking that chance with someone we trust is a good starting point. I really like the uh, idea of of firstly finding a buddy, Mm. you know, someone that you can confide in and, and share because also often in our heads, it might feel a lot worse than how it actually is. So finding someone that can also be a champion can give us the confidence um, and also be a bit of a sponsor within, you know, the organisation to start talking. Creating those collective experiences um, is, is so important. But also, as you did, it's so important to include men in the conversation because, you know, guess what? Women are in society Um, And, you know, when we thrive, the people around us thrive. um, And and it's not just a woman's, you know, issue. Um, And finding different ways to to get people to, to, you know, be menopause champions, whether they be younger, whether they be male, whether they be non-binary, you know, there's always somebody around them in that world that is going to be going through menopause. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, that has worked for me. And I'm certainly seeing others come back with feedback to say, actually, that's working for me too. Every person's menopause is going to be different. You know, what works for me won't work for another person necessarily. So I do think collaboration is key. Sharing is key. And we are seeing a bit more of this, aren't we? And there's some great examples of some businesses now stepping up and, yeah, and and supporting this within Mm. their inclusion and diversity programs, which is is just great. Yeah. Also, as an employer, um, you want to have balanced teams. And that means, you know, making sure that there is, you know, across genders, uh, a good representation, as well as obviously different heritages and cultures and all of the brilliant things that different people, you know, bring. I know that companies are are really shifting in terms of promoting female leadership and giving more opportunities. So um, the last thing that they want is is suddenly to get to kind of, you know, the mid 40s and see women starting to leave in their their droves. Mm, mm. I mean, that's a a big issue for me. And I think there has definitely been over time focus on younger women and how to retain when they come back from maternity. But, you know, what about those women that are then way past that but have Mm. so much experience and so much to offer. I mean, a doctor recently pointed out to me that 
we are the first generation of women to spend more time in our post-reproductive years than our pre. And my God, that makes you sit up and smell the coffee, doesn't it? Yeah. And so it's about having the confidence to, to speak up and, and to find that buddy. But I also think it's about educating yourself too. We have to get ourselves menno fit. You know, this isn't for me about uh, a conversation solely on HRT or not to HRT. It's about everything from the nutrition we fuel ourselves with, from the supplements that we take, from the exercise that we do, to how we want to live our life and get ourselves menno fit. If we want to be fit, able and productive in our 50s, 60s and 70s, that starts with us yeah that's something we feel very passionately about over the bloody moon is Mm. you know this is our our window of opportunity and the more we put in now the more that we're setting ourselves up you know long term and and just going back to those you know stats of post-menopause so a hundred years ago a a woman would live on average for just nine years post-menopause and now it's 32 years on average so you know there's this huge you know long stretch in terms of Mm. what life can bring and and all those kind of you know fantastic opportunities so one wants to make the most of it let's just sum up then what changes you would like to see in the workplace when it comes to to menopause support I would like businesses to sign a simple pledge to say we want to listen and we want to understand how we can do more to help our employees. I just want businesses, decision makers to say there's an issue here and there's an opportunity. I want to put it into the positive frame. And I think if businesses do come on board, we can connect them to people like you who can then help with what are the right policies? What are the Mm. actions coming from those policies? There are plenty of great companies and brands like Over the Bloody Moon providing that support. But we are determined to get big business actually stepping up to the plate because I think to drive real change, we need responsible businesses admitting that they have an opportunity and saying, yes, we're here to listen. Let's get action-oriented. I don't think this is rocket science. I think it's just people saying, yes, we'll sign up to the pledge and we'll get going. So on barriers, it's interesting. Uh, We run free menopause masterclasses for HR professionals to explain exactly why we think it's such an important area to invest in. And I always get... A few women who, you know, have signed up, they want to create change, they want to create action. And when they have floated it to the board or other senior male members, they're told it's too niche. Should we have a testosterone support policy as well? I mean, mm. what have you what advice have you got well, that would, in that, that situation? That would, yeah, I think um I cannot believe <laughs> that that's what women are being told. In my experience, data speaks. And my advice would be surround yourself with some data that people cannot argue with. So when I went to my CEO with this idea for the Women's Affinity Group, I talked about our demographic. I talked about the stats, and they're out there, of the numbers of women that are 
driving business forward in their 40s and 50s, but importantly, the number of women that are leaving in their 40s and 50s, the Mm -hmm. impact on performance, the impact on productivity, the impact on profitability and revenue. I would be gathering that data. And in my experience, data talks. And then you can have a really great conversation that says, if we do this, this is what we could achieve. If we don't, then this is what it could look like. And the cost of replacing that workforce, the cost of replacing that talent and the cost of productivity is immense. Particularly when that data is to do with that organisation. So it's a reflective picture of what's going on right now. You have to make it specific to the sector, to the business that you're Mm -hmm. in. And and I honestly believe that it won't be long before women will choose which business they want to work for. Because if they see a business that is up for supporting them as they go through this natural change, they're going to choose that business they're not going to stick with a business that's stuck in the Middle Ages run by men that really do need to understand more. Yeah, exactly. Um, there is increasingly more talk about this perimenopause and things that we can be doing, but actually still not that much in terms of role models in the workplace post-menopause. So uh, one of the fears that I hear from some of uh, the women in our community is, you know, is the brain fog ever going to stop? And all the other <laughs> various issues, different issues that, that people may um, experience. What have you seen through your experience in terms of, you know, post-menopause? I think I'm still going through it. So I, I, I definitely don't feel I'm out the other side. I guess I am working out the right matrix for me currently. But I think the word menopause is such an interesting word because everything changes. I quite like, it's a very dated word, but I quite like the change because everything changes. Mm. My skin, my nails, my hair. I I mean, I've got crazy hair at the best of times, (laughs) but my hair has got a personality all of its own. And that's (laughs) no thanks to, you know, the hormonal changes. So I think that I'm still working out what is working for me. But when it comes to concentration and when it comes to brain fog, I am finding that less reliance on carbohydrates, less reliance on certainly some of the the faster food products Mm -hmm. that, that people can rely on when they're busy. I avoid those at all costs. And I, I'm certainly no amazing chef, but I do try and cook from scratch as much as I can if time permits, but I'm still working out what's, what's working for me and what's best for me. I think there's a number of tools that we all have to have in our kit that will probably work for a while. And then we might have to change it up a little Mm. Uh, thinking about it, taking some time to educate maybe trying not to get too stressed about it because I find the more I think about it and the more I focus on one particular thing, the worse it becomes. Mm, That's really good advice and insight there and particularly around the playfulness because life is always changing. Our hormones are changing. So what works at one stage may stop being effective. So rather than seeing it as oh, you know, it's failure. It's just kind of, oh, what else can I explore and try out? There are many, many wonderful women around the world who are rocking it post, you know, menopause. 
you know, uh, Ariana Huffington setting up, you know, two businesses post-menopause, um, you know, Michelle Obama really, you know, with her becoming book. And in fact, I heard a brilliant statistic. Our exec coach um, advisor, Rebecca Hill, was telling me how the, the most uh, successful change consultants are women in their 60s. Mm. So there are industries that really recognise that with age and, and femininity, perhaps there comes real power. Yeah, I think you raise a really interesting point. Mm. And I've met a great doctor called Angela Sharma, who runs a clinic for the over 65s. And she has been observing women over 65 for many, many years. And what's striking her is that the women fall into two camps. Those women that actually looked after themselves during their peri and menopausal years versus those that didn't. You know, your listeners might say, well, what's surprising in that? Well, bearing in mind these women are in their 60s and 70s now, we think the perimenopause and the menopause is taboo today. It wasn't even mentioned in their time. So the fact that they had the foresight to look after themselves, both from a diet, from an exercise perspective, and just to keep themselves mentally active. Angela talks about how different visually, but also mentally, these women are. Those that looked after themselves stand up straighter. They're smart. They engage. They've got an active social life. They're really enjoying their 60s and 70s. Whereas women that didn't look after themselves from a holistic well-being perspective, and I'm not talking about HRT here, I'm talking about general well-being and health, that didn't have the opportunity to do that, just, just either drank too much, smoked too much, didn't eat the right things. She said the difference is marked. And that alone tells me that the more we can do now in our 40s and 50s, the better our chances are, as you're saying, to have healthy decades ahead of us, which is just so important. Mm, absolutely. I mean, when we look at health outcomes, 80% of our health outcomes is determined by the choices that we make in, mm. in lifestyle. So there's something really hugely empowering about that. And by looking at what tools are out there, trying them out, putting them into practice, we are taking more control over what is happening. And that can be really helpful for women that perhaps are, are, are struggling with, mm. you know, with change because it, it's uninvited. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think, and I never thought I would say this in one sentence, but the, one of the benefits of COVID, and believe you me, there clearly aren't many, is that there's now a whole plethora of good information out there, people wanting to support women around a great diet that's affordable and easy to, to prepare and consume. There's plenty of free exercise ideas and coaches out there also. And by exercise, it doesn't mean we all have to run off and do a hit class. It just means doing something that you enjoy mm. that works for you. Mm. Thank you so much, Sam. So we have um, got some fantastic tips from you today. Just to reflect back on some of those insights, the importance of firstly speaking up, even if that doesn't mean speaking out, but finding a buddy, someone you can trust in the organisation to share what's going on for you. And then within that, see who else is experiencing what you're going through to create some collective power, a collective voice to start speaking up um, and to create change. 
Um, and then you've given some brilliant tips as well in terms of supporting with data, quantifying, validating that there is a real need and also listening to what people in the organisation want. So it's very unique to what people's needs are. So we always finish the show on a final question, which is, Sam, what's your secret to feeling over the bloody moon about life? (laughs) (laughs) Um, my, My secret is to surround yourself by positivity where you can. There's a lot of negativity out there. Surround yourself by those that can really give you energy because it's, um, it's hard enough sometimes tackling your symptoms and navigating this. And there are plenty of fantastic people out there that really will be your support network. You've just got to be uh, choiceful, I think. Brilliant. Well, Sam, such an inspiring story. Um, and also the work that you're doing is is brilliant. And I'm, you know, so, so happy that you are bringing all of that collective wisdom and specialists together. So thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Leslie. It's been great. 